Hello, everybody. Um, today is November 27th of 2020, and I uh, just wanted to welcome you to the podcast. Um, I pray that y'all are doing well, and I hope to uh, see you all soon. Um, but uh, today, I just wanted to go over uh, a few things as far as... Um, the Franz Barden system to or path to enlightenment is concerned and try and connect it with a few other ideas and things that I've, I've read on here and there. Um, and we'll see how this comes out. Um, but uh, first I wanted to say that uh, Franz Barden was a very intelligent and uh, um, devoted individual to making sure that other people um, would be able to reach enlightenment within this lifetime uh, with the uh, coming um, tribulations that we'll more than likely go through uh, sooner or later. Um, and so this information he passed down to us in order for us to work on ourselves and uh, become uh, that part uh, become part of the greater whole of, of divinity above, um, but through developing ourselves and making sure that we become our own teachers, um, slowly but surely, but to also uh, reach a point where we can uh, gain communion with the uh, higher intelligences and uh, be able to work with these intelligences and um, and allow ourselves to purify ourselves and walk the righteous path. So I just want to give a quick synopsis of the first step of, the, of his book known as uh, Initiation into Hermetics. And I would recommend you go ahead and get the actual book, uh, either order it through Amazon or something like that, or um, you could find it on PDF file online. Um, but I would make sure that you have a physical uh, form of this book. That way you could always reference to it no matter what happens. Um, so first of all, for the first step, he, he breaks it down into three different, uh, three, three different things that you're trying to develop. And that's the magical schooling of the spirit, the magical schooling of the soul, and the magical schooling of the physical body. And we'll uh, go over these things here and here. Um, so the first thing he technically wants you to work on after he's introduced you to the idea of the elements and how they are incorporated in the physical body, in the mind, and also in the higher intelligences and how you look at these things. Um, and he elaborates that out in that first, uh, first step chapter of his book. And I'll go deeper into that at a later time. Um, also, I wanted everybody to know I'm also starting a Patreon, and I'm going to start putting some other um, information on there as far as references to different books and different things you can check out for yourself. Um, that way you can find whatever possible path you want to walk yourself. I have a lot of different references as far as um, Eastern traditions and, uh, and Western traditions as far as... Uh, uh, path to enlightenment, whatever you want to try and choose, and I'll try and put out um, however much information I can on there as quickly as possible in the uh, coming days. Um, but uh, 
if you want to join me on there and uh, catch a peek at uh, the the library and stuff that I have, I'll uh, I'll start posting a lot of different things on there and try and give a good uh, synopsis and summary and also reference to the book so that you can also do the research for yourself. Um, but whenever you can, and I'll try and give the best possible summary I can on those subjects, but obviously I'm not completely well-read in all these things, but I'll do my best to um, elaborate that out however I can. Uh, and there's other sources and stuff that I can lead you to that'll help elaborate those ideas out a little bit better too. But uh, okay, so going to the magic schooling of the spirit. What he uh, wants you to try and start doing every single day is to practice uh, daily thought control. And so this is the same thing kind of with the breath exercise I, uh, I was uh, talking about. The reason why I said it could cause imbalances is because you're pulling in this energy. Um, and unless you're thinking that it's going to equilibrate and make sure uh, it purifies you, um, you're technically pulling in, in this energy and it's going to feed into any imbalances that you already have in your own uh, mind, your body, or your psyche, um, or in your feelings and stuff like that. And so uh, if you don't try and purify yourself of any of the negative uh, things that hold you back as far as your anger is concerned or anything uh, of that nature, and you don't identify those things within your own psyche and your mind and the actions that you perform, it will, uh, that invoking that energy into your body will end up making those things flare up and become worse, okay? So you always want to keep an eye on uh, those negative thoughts and also your positive thoughts. That way you can develop the things that you want to prosper and get rid of the things that you don't. Uh, so it's technically like taking care of a garden. You want your garden to be uh, filled with beautiful things, not with uh, what you consider to be weeds. So it's just like trying to till and uh, cultivate the garden of your mind, your soul, and your body. So uh, he, he says to pretty much start with thought control and to practice this twice daily for about five to ten minutes. And what this is is, it, is that you're just trying to get used to sitting with yourself in a meditative state. So same thing uh, as far as the body awareness tech uh, uh, step in the uh, one-year manual you kind of want to sit with yourself and just allow your thoughts to just freely come at you until um, you may have just like a thousand thoughts come at you over a certain amount of time. But as you do this and you, you start to sit with yourself in meditation over a period of time, you'll begin to see that uh, allowing these thoughts in um, and letting them to just kind of do free reign, whatever. You're able to pick up on those things that are, are negative about yourself, but also positive about yourself that you can record down. And um, they'll also begin to quiet your mind until you can finally um, just have maybe 700 thoughts or a few thoughts come through you every day to where you have complete control over what you're thinking. And so doing this thought control, always trying twice daily to try and sit with yourself and just allow yourself to sit there. Don't try and itch your body. If you have a certain sensation, just try and really get in tune with how your body feels. Because um, usually whenever you have like an itch in a certain part of your body or something like that, it's a certain sign or a certain message trying to be conveyed to you about whatever imbalances or whatever you need to understand about yourself. 
And if you read into the uh, some of the esoteric meanings behind some of the body parts and how they fit with the zodiac, you can um, understand why you have these subtle sensations in some parts of your body. So say you have some kind of like twitch on your eyes, you could think of somebody is watching you, and that twitch on your eye is telling you that somebody's watching you. Um, same thing as if uh, it would be on the left or right side. You could think the left side being negative or the right side being positive, however you want to look at it. But since I think of the right thing being the correct thing or the proper thing, I usually put positive on the right side of my body and negative on the left side of my body. Um, and so you can kind of start to pick up on these subtle signs and subtle things that your body's trying to tell you. Um, as it gets confront, confronted with these different energies and different thoughts that um, hit you uh, throughout the day. But uh, you want to sit with yourself to where you can uh, get to a place where you can uh, assess your thoughts and allow them to uh, slowly yet surely uh, get under control. And then after that, uh, he wants you to develop thought discipline. And this is where you try and just focus on one thing. So you just want to focus on one thought. And so you'll think of maybe like you want to just sit yourself there and then you create like a complete black space around you, like with your eyes closed. You're not sensing anything. You're not seeing anything, right? But you want to try and focus yourself on like maybe uh, maybe you have a pencil that you're writing with. You want to look at every single detail of that pencil or how that pencil is and just keep the thought of the pencil in your mind's eye and just focus on that and try and get to where you can develop and hold that thought without any other thoughts coming in for five minutes and try and hold that and, and maintain that for, for that amount of time. Um, and then if you can, try and get to where you can do five to 10 minutes of that. And so you'll just set yourself a timer. You can do it with your phone. Um, you may wanna get a physical one uh, just in case your phone doesn't work at some point. But uh, we could, uh, that, that's what he wants you to do. Once you get to a point where you, you're not allowing all these thoughts to kind of overrule your mind, you can begin to develop the, the discipline of thought and just focus on one thought. And then from there, uh, he, he leads into the mastery of thoughts. And so the mastery of thoughts is something where you're able to completely vacate your mind of any thoughts whatsoever, and you're just sitting in stillness. It's like being with the all source, is that there's just absolute stillness and there's nothing going on, and you're just being. Like, we think we like to associate ourselves with the thoughts that are in our head, but in reality, if you get rid of the thoughts and you get rid of the mind, there's still an essence there. There's still a being that's there, and that's what you're trying to kind of connect with whenever it comes to yoga and stuff like that. You, you, you experience what's known as kind of like an ego death, and you're not able to really think anything. You're just in in a state of being, in a state of just um, having a presence, but without any kind of thought or any kind of uh, thing trying to drive you one way or the other. And so if you can control and master your thoughts, um, you can control and master pretty much anything. And if you rule your thoughts, uh, other people can't rule you is the kind of thing. So you become your own king. You become a person who's able to decide for themselves what's best for them rather than what everybody else tells you 
is the best way. So, and from there it leads on to uh, the magical schooling of the of the soul, and this is uh, known as self cognizance and uh, preparing of the soul mirror. So, uh, during this whole process, if you choose to uh, start this path, I would recommend that you get a uh, what what Franz Barden recommends, I should say, is to get a magical diary and start recording down your sessions. So. Try and just uh, record down your thoughts and what you see whenever you do your meditation and what you try to focus on as far as the thought is concerned. And then uh, also record how well it went, you know. Um, and then as you're doing this as well, you can start to pick up on those negative and positive aspects of yourself as well. But uh, as you uh, start to develop these, uh, this this uh, this diary, you're able to start self-criticizing yourself. So you're always looking at the uh, the ways that you act, um, and you begin to see that whenever you react to something that might be outside of yourself, that you see that's a negative thing, uh, is actually just uh, you trying to remind yourself that that's something you need to fix within yourself. So if you get angry at somebody on the roadway or something like that, uh, that's just a reminder to tell you, hey. Uh, you need to get, you need to fix your anger problems, you know, so, um, but uh, it's pretty much just so you're, 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 you're developing this and you're recording all this down so that you can become your own judge, okay, you want to be your own judge as far as uh, who you are as a person, and you want to try and uh, idealize what it is that you want to become as far as uh, a higher ideal, and always try and strive towards that. And if you become your own judge, you won't necessarily need to be judged at a later time because you're always judging yourself. You're always trying to um, technically, uh, I, I forget the term exactly, but you're always trying to correct your ego in a way to where it's moving in the proper path. And so as long as you're uh, judging yourself accordingly in the proper way making sure that you're doing the proper thing and it's weighed uh, in the proper way you will move towards divinity in the proper fashion um, but as well as becoming self-cognizant you really want to sit with yourself right now and kind of ask yourself if you're even dreaming like do you know if you're dreaming right now most of the time I'll have dreams or something like that and I'm not conscious of it, you know, um, but uh, I'll, I'll have it like I, I, I've been in that situation before. And that's that's something that's trying to tell you like, hey, you need to wake up. Hey, you need to wake up um, and realize that you're kind of technically living in a dream. You just don't necessarily know it. Uh, you're just doing things automatically without really thinking. You're not being self-cognizant of yourself. So you really want to remain aware of what you're doing at all times um, and not fall prey to just going on autopilot. Otherwise, you'll lose a lot of time for yourself. Um, but uh, moving on from there, um, he also goes into what's uh, known as developing the soul mirror. So like I said, with yourself sitting with those thoughts and everything, you're recording down those negative and positive aspects of yourself kind of in the in that journal or diary but then you'll also do that in a separate journal and you'll you'll refer to it as your soul mirror 
Um, and so you'll look at what is known as the white and black soul mirror of your soul. And this is just certain aspects that you record down, whether it be anger, jealousy, uh, pride, or um, um, say grateful or thankful or loving. These are aspects that you'll record down about yourself that you know that you harbor or that you want to harbor um, and cultivate or get, get rid of and weed out. And so as you start to see these things of yourself, you start to record these things down, you can address them because they're brought to you uh, to your to your cog to your consciousness instead of just laying outside in your subconscious. If you bring it up to the conscious field where you can address it, it can be uh, taken care of and um, assimilated into your ego in a, in a way that's balanced rather than rather than it just happening outside of yourself subconsciously and without you knowing. Um, and so that's what the whole purpose of this is, is trying to do a psychological analysis of your own soul so that you can bring yourself towards walking the right uh, path. Um, and he also goes on to, into how you would uh, technically separate these different aspects into different elemental uh, parts of the psyche and stuff as well. So you have fire, air, water, and earth. And there's a certain kind of uh, substance to each one of these these elements that also correspond to different um, uh, things of of our psyche and stuff like that. So you would pretty much associate fire with like that willpower, that drive to accomplish things and do things. And then you have the air aspect, which is like your thoughts or your mind or like wisdom and knowledge. And then you have the water aspect, which is like the uh, feelings and emotions, the, uh, the intuitions that you have. And then you have the earth, which is like uh, something that's really dense or like a physical aspect or something like that that you want to address. Um, um, but yeah. He goes uh, a little bit further in depth as far as the elements are concerned, and I'd like to talk about those at a later time and try and elaborate those out in a different podcast, but I just want to get this out there so people can uh, read the book for themselves and try and understand these uh, these concepts and incorporate them in, into their own life uh, as quickly as possible. So uh, moving on from there, you would go into what is known as the magical schooling of the physical body, and this is... Uh, Pretty much adapting a normal and sensible lifestyle as a matter of habit. So you want to get to where you're in a habit of always self being self-cognizant and self-conscious of what you're doing. Um, that way other people can't control you in a certain way or form. They can't uh, take you over by your thoughts or your emotions or any of those other things because you're always aware of what you're doing. You're always aware of what's going on in your own mind. And so uh, you want to get to a point where you're constantly thinking about divinity. You're constantly thinking about yourself. That way you can always say, uh, remain a free thinker and not allow other people to try and drive you in some way, form or fashion. Um, and kind of pull yourself outside of the waters of, and the tides that we find ourselves in. And so... You always want to try and develop a morning exercise and an evening exercise, I would say, where you uh, sit with yourself in meditation 
or you would do the breathing exercise I would I would recommend um, and trying to become conscious of your breathing at all times that way you're always invoking a higher uh, energy and getting yourself used to this higher energy as uh, the days go on but you could also think of any of the impressions and stuff that you get throughout the day so if you get like a physical sensation or something like that uh, you could think of it as uh, God trying to correct you in one way or, or another um, and trying to lead you on the proper path. Or if you have like a breeze or something like that that hits you, you could think of it as energy entering into your body. Or if you're exposed to a certain kind of sound or uh, music that you're pulling in the energy of that music at some point as well. Um then there's also the conscious eating aspect as well, or the mystery of the Eucharist. So, you you know, like during uh, certain kind of uh, Christian rituals, they'll have you partake of some bread and some wine, and that would be the body and and uh, wine or blood of uh, Christ. And so that's exactly what they want you to think whenever you're ingesting these things, because when you put the conscious intention into whatever you're eating, whether it be in the during your breakfast, your lunch, or your dinner, you putting the conscious thought of uh, blessing the food and 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 um, pulling this Holy Spirit energy into the food actually consciously changes you on the physical structure of things. And I also go into that, or uh, they also go into that as far as like the secret of water and that documentary um, and how the uh, structure of the water is changed by positive influences and uh, positive thinking or by negative influences and negative thinking. So you always want to try and uh, bless your food every time you eat. And then whenever you eat, um, you want to consciously think that it's actually healing your body, equilibrating your body, and purifying your body. Um, so whenever you're chewing on the food, you like I, like I talked about in the breath exercise, you would be connected with Mother Earth and you'd be connected with the heavens above. And as you're like chewing on the food, you can think of this energy entering in through the soles of your feet, up your body, into your mouth, and then also down through the crown of your head, uh, through the top of your mouth, and entering into the food and mixing with the food. And then as you swallow it, it just permeates throughout the rest of your body. And so you're like filled with white light as you're eating the food. And by doing this conscious effort and putting this conscious thought into everything you do, you will slowly but surely purify yourself and equilibrate yourself in the elements as long as you're putting that intention into whatever you're doing. And you always want to be conscious of this so that you can make the progress as quickly as possible. Um, but then the same thing, he also goes about how the magic of water um, you would do. So you would always try and bless any kind of water or anything that you drink as well. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, it might not be technically the best for your health, but as long as you put some kind of intention and impregnate it with a holy blessing and then think of it as um, healing yourself and, and putting um, good vibes into you, that's what it's going to do. And you have to have faith that that's, that's what it is doing um, because it's the belief and the work that you put into something that uh, what you're going to end up getting the result out of. So. Always try and bless your food and your water. And then if you're ever cleansing yourself, like doing like a shower or a bath or something like that, you always want to think of like uh, like that dark, cloudy energy that I was talking about in the breath exercises that they're kind of pulling up 
um, at the bottom of the soles of your feet or permeating out into the water and getting cleansed by uh, the light and stuff. And then as you, if you're doing like a bath or something like that, you pull all that negative energy into the water after you've invoked the, uh, the light and stuff. And you could do the breath work with it while you're in the, in the bath or something like that. Um, or just, just think about this light energy entering into you. And then after you're done with your bath, um, you take out the, the plug and you just kind of sit with yourself. Either you can sit or stand in the water and just envision all that uh, cloudy, murky, um, and negative energies entering and exiting or exiting out of your body through the water down the drain. And that's subconsciously telling yourself as well and consciously telling yourself that you're um, cleansing yourself of any negative and, uh, and bad energies and stuff like that. So if you wanted to get rid of a certain negative aspect of yourself, you could think of that aspect permeating the water and being pulled out of your body whenever you're in the bath or whenever you're getting showered on and just see it just go down the drain and getting flushed away. And that's telling yourself subconsciously that you're cleansing yourself of that aspect so you don't do it anymore. Or you become uh, better equilibrated in and utilizing it in a, in a proper fashion. So uh, going on from there, that's technically everything as far as Franz Barton's summary of step one. But there's a few more things I wanted to get into that are from a few other books. Um, that I want to kind of incorporate into this. And so uh, you could look up this book as well if you'd like, and you can check it out for yourself and read it. And it's called The Preliminary Practice for Franz Barton's Initiation into Hermetics by Ray Del Sol. Um, and so he technically just goes into um, elaborating out some of the information that he's exposed himself to and compared it to the Franz Barton uh, initiation um, into Hermetics. And I just wanted to touch on uh, a couple of the yogas that he, that he talks about, which are known as uh, the Raja Yoga, uh, Janana Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, and Karma Yoga. And so for the Raja Yoga, it's technically a yogic practice that works on developing the willpower. And you could, you could associate it with a fire aspect or element. Uh, Janana Yoga, you would technically look at it as developing knowledge and mind and thoughts um, or uh, having knowledge of God to where you're, you're able to better understand God. And that's uh, uh, associated with the air aspect. Uh, and then you have the bhakti yoga, which is technically what Christ was like. He was a very loving and devotional person and equilibrated his feelings and moved all those feelings towards divinity in order to conceive of divinity. Um, and so it's developing the emotions, cleansing oneself of any negative emotions, and developing that love and devotion towards God and the, and the one source. Um, and that would be associated with the water aspect. And then you have the karma yoga, which is what most people actually live their lives like. Uh, they don't put any other conscious effort into what they're doing. And so for them to reach divinity, they have to reach it through going through the cycle of samsara or the karmic cycle of life. And this is through cause and effect, through the actions that you commit as you slowly but surely uh, purify yourself on the path to divinity and understanding. And so people who are ruled by karma uh, slowly, very slowly, uh, are reaching towards finally understanding divinity. But it's only after so many uh, reincarnations 
that they will, um, until they try to accelerate their understanding and try to be a part of their own evolution, um, they're not going to end up pulling themselves out of the cycle of samsara and have to go through this cycle repeatedly until they finally learn the lesson and try to reach for divinity themselves. But uh, those are the four different uh, yogas that can be incorporated into this practice as well. And just to kind of go over the different, uh, uh, give a different uh, a summary of each one of these yogas a little bit more. Uh, the Raja Yoga just deals with concentration, meditation, and mastering of the mind and the senses. Uh, and so you would do like breath work and stuff like that to try and uh, focus on concentrating on the body and concentrating on your thought and being uh, one in a meditative state to where you just develop that willpower. Um, and then with the Janana Yoga, it trains your intellectual powers and abilities. And this is just uh, what leads to wisdom and real knowledge. Um, and so you're, you're always seeking these different parts and pieces of God and putting them together to, to develop your own truth and your own understanding of God so that you can walk your path uh, towards divinity. Because there's many paths to walk. It's just whatever path you want to try and take to get there. Some are slower, some are faster. It's up to you to want to walk those paths, though. Um, and then you have the bhakti yoga, like I said, is, is the path of devotion of true love. And uh, it's through humbleness and devotion to these higher spiritual uh, powers and obedience to these powers um, that be that allow them to reach an understanding of, of God and to become one with God. And so... Uh, it's, it's like looking at the life as a wonderful experience all the time and uh, really see uh, the world for what it is. And it's, it's one giant, beautiful play or one verse or one song uh, expressing itself in the many different fashions that it does. And so then you also have karma yoga after that, uh, which is technically the same path that every true spiritual person also walks but they walk in accordance with these laws and don't allow them to bog them down or to do the wrong thing. So people, any saints and yogis and stuff like that, always try and live the truth and live the righteous path because if they don't, they'll end up getting some kind of karmic uh, um, consequence from those actions. So it's it's up to you to make the right choice um but know that whatever actions you commit you're going to end up getting something in return which is of equal value and equal um so if you put out negative you're going to get negative if you put out positive you're going to get positive um and another uh reference y'all could check out if you want uh there's a guy known as Shoa Kaksui, which i probably just butchered his name too but uh, he goes over uh, different pranic healing books that he has. There's one known as pranic healing that you can check out, which is technically like chi energy healing or ki energy healing uh, or ruach, using the ruach to heal people. Um, and he goes into depth in those books. I haven't read into his books, but I got, I got a copy coming, and I might uh, look at that and go over that at some point. But... Uh, that's pretty much just a few references from that book as far as the pre preliminary practice for Franz Barton's initiation to hermetics. But I also wanted to end this by going over um, the works of G.I. Gurdjieff. And uh, he's uh, technically a guy that was 
um, very obscure. Um, he was from Russia, um, but he uh, he was introduced to some of the Middle Eastern thought and uh, things taught by the Sufis uh, as far as the Islamic uh, esoteric path is concerned. And uh, he came across these teachings um, and a symbol known as the Enneagram, which is like a nine-pointed star um, that symbolizes the aspects of the, of the soul and the psyche and other things. Um, but he goes over what's, what his teachings were to be known as uh, the fourth way. And um, if you try and look at the fourth way, it's technically like any of the, uh, any of the esoteric uh, Christianic paths or um, in like the Taoist tradition or in the Hermetic tradition um, where you're trying to like I said, incorporate every part of yourself towards moving towards divinity. But he, he, he symbolized it as bringing the path of the fakir, or uh, like the, the Arabic uh, priests and stuff like that, the fakirs, uh, the monks. So you have like the Christian monks or like the Buddhist monks and stuff like that, and the way of the yogi or the yogis, the gurus. And so let me elaborate these different positions out. And so the fakir is somebody who uses the physical body and develops the will and drive towards uh, um, understanding himself and other people through just physical tasks. So these are people who would put themselves under extreme um, physical conditions, um, whether it be just to run their feet into the ground or... Um, physically torture themselves to where the pain just wasn't uh, just didn't mean anything to them anymore so you'd have people who would consistently lash themselves for um being like if for if they thought they were doing something sinful like in some of the uh monk uh christian monk uh, monasteries they would uh, torture themselves to try and bring that willpower and physical uh, and mental bodies into submission towards uh, divine will. Um, and that would technically correspond with the fire aspect, I would think. But then you have the way of the monk, which is also the way of faith and devotion and love towards God as well. Um, and this is just trying to develop and, and direct your emotions and love towards, um, say, like a, a woman or... Um, towards whatever you love and directing that love towards God itself or towards divinity. And if you have this love and devotion towards something, that you're that much more likely to drive yourself in order to attain these things if you, if you put your emotions in line with um, um, developing uh, these faculties within yourself or these divine this divine union within yourself and it's trying to come towards a internal unity or an understanding and loving of all parts of yourself even the negative and the positive parts and uh, becoming one with those and understanding that it's all out of love and it's all out of trying to teach you the proper lessons in order for you to come to complete understanding of divinity and so that would technically be uh, ruled by the emotions or water aspect, uh, the way of the monk.
And then you also have the way of the yogi, which is of knowledge and of mind. And so the yogis would practice uh, trying to learn almost everything, um, but then also in trying to understand the world around them. Um, but there wasn't really a development of feelings or of, uh, of the physical will or physical body. And so you would just technically know everything, but you wouldn't put anything into practice. So instead of actually trying to do the breath exercises and actually um, do the devotional prayers and everything like that, you would just know of them and become like a, um, somebody who just sits in an armchair um, and does nothing. But uh, these paths, you could look of as the fakir is somebody who doesn't technically have a teacher and just kind of, you could think of it as like the, uh, the karmic path where, or the karma yoga path where people don't really look towards having a teacher. They just kind of go about their lives and make the mistakes that they make and maybe make them again and again and again until they learn the lesson. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes is once you've gone through that lesson as many times as possible, you're like, okay, this is the right path because I was, I was doing this wrong thing so many times. Now I can do the right thing because I've experienced this, mis this mistake so many times I can now do the right thing. Um, and if you think of the way of the monk, they're always trying to put themselves under obedience of a teacher somebody who's outside of themselves that they conceptualize and that they can teach, uh, teach them to be uh, uh, a better person or a better um, uh, individual. And then as you look at the, uh, at the yogi, they technically have somebody who teaches them these things to begin with, but after they've been incorporated or they've incorporated this knowledge into themselves, they're able to become their own teacher. They're able to become their own judge. They're able to become their own higher ideal that they see. And so if you uh, look at the fourth way, they look at trying to incorporate all three of these aspects into a fourth and final or a fourth path that they, that they speak of. And this is trying to put the physical body under will. Um, and then also having love and devotion to whatever you're doing. So bringing the physical feelings um, or the, the, the emotional feelings into accordance as well. And then also using studies and knowledge and your mind and your thoughts and, and bending that into the will of divinity will lead you that much closer and that much quicker to divine uh, knowledge and understanding than it would if you were to take any of these paths by themselves. Um, and so technically all of these paths would, would begin with the uh, re renunciation of the world. And you would technically have to renounce yourself from the world until you can come up with a, a, an understanding of how uh, things actually work for you and what the true path is. But it doesn't mean that you have to be completely separate from the world for eternity. Um, once you've kind of introduced yourself to these different ideas and stuff like that, there's a certain reason, there's a reason why we're in the physical form. It's to have these expressions and to live uh, these different things that we happen to, to have around us. So even if there's like an alcoholic drink or something like that, it doesn't mean that you completely renounce it. It means that you're moderate in your consumption of these things. 
Um, you don't allow it to be something that controls you, but at the same time, it shouldn't be something that you fear either. So uh, moderate alcohol consumption, moderation in, er in all things or balance in all things is really the true path. And so that goes with any of the other things that we do in our life as far as our uh, um, relations with other people, whether it be just a friendship relationship or, or a sexual relationship. You don't want that, uh, that to be uh, the only reason you're with that person. You're trying to be with that person because you're trying to develop them as an all-encompassing whole. You want to challenge them. Um, as far as their what they think and what they do and how they express themselves in, in their emotions and stuff like that and try and bring them into an, a harmonious whole. Um, so as you uh, begin to do this, uh, if you uh, look at the... Uh, being conscious of what you're doing and making sure that you have moderation in all all aspects of your life, you'll begin to start walk uh, the middle path, which is technically the the proper path and quickest path to understanding God and divinity itself. Um, because God is technically all things, whether it be evil or whether it be uh, good, um, and he just allows these things to play out so that you understand what the proper path is. And most people need to understand that uh, the reason why there's love, the uh, reason why there's hate, uh, is so that you can experience love. Otherwise, you wouldn't know. Like, if you didn't have somebody who hated you, you would never know what love is. You need a, you need a reference point in order to understand these things. So same thing with uh, good and evil, um, or whatever we think is evil. Um, we need that other opposing aspect in order to know what is good and what is right and what the proper path is. Otherwise, we wouldn't know where to go. Uh, we would just be aimless without uh, some kind of challenge or some kind of adversity to um, direct us in the proper, uh, proper path. But, uh, that's pretty much everything I wanted to go over with as far as uh, Franz Barden's initiation through Hermetics and also elaborating out the, the fourth way um, by G.I. Uh, Gurdjieff um, and try and incorporate those ideas together a little bit and expose people to those ideas. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, uh, that's pretty much it. So thank you for listening. Um, Understand that we're here to become our own, uh, our own judge, um, our own uh, teacher. We want to become our own teachers uh, and don't allow other people to try and teach us. Um, but you have to develop yourself in a way until you can get to that point to become your own teacher. Uh, and it takes time. So thank you for listening and I hope you all have a great day. And uh, I'll see y'all later.